0: Hey, it's me, your pile of dirty laundry that's stacking up. I know that cleaning and washing me is not necessarily the most fun process and it can take a while, but if you want to make that process more enjoyable, how about you just pop in an episode of this podcast? Before continuing continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, this is the first episode of Potterless in July, meaning that it is donation time. Here at Potterless, each month we take $1 for every member of our team over at patreon.com slash Potterless and donate it to a different charity. At the time of recording, we have 991 patrons, meaning that we will be donating $900 $191.2 facing history and ourselves. So this charity uses lessons of history to challenge teachers and their students to stand up to bigotry and hate. It's a charity that partners with educators around the world to reach millions of students in thousands of classrooms each year to teach them about bigotry and hatred in the past. I chose this charity because I feel like recently I have been learning a lot of things that weren't necessarily taught to me in history class. And that makes me very upset to know that the history of the country that I grew up in wasn't fully explained to me as a kid and was whitewashed down a little bit and made to seem nicer than it actually was. I really support that this charity is trying to teach children where we come from, and how we cannot repeat mistakes of the past. I like that their focus is trying to get kids to talk with their parents at the dinner table about it and things like that. So if you want to learn more about this charity, you can go to facinghistory.org. Also, I'm excited to announce that Multitude is doing an online live show on July 30th at 8pm. All of your favorite Multitudes are going to be there. Some of the formats will be existing things we've done in the past. Other things will be new. I'll let you know that I'm doing one thing that's new and one thing that's familiar, so I'm very excited to do that. If you want to get tickets, you can go to multitude.production slash digital live. 25% of all sales will be donated to Black Lives Matter charities, and if you can't watch it live, that's okay. You will still get a link and you can watch the replay if 8pm Eastern time doesn't work in whatever time zone you're in. Again, for tickets and information, go to multitude.production slash digital live. And speaking of a wonderful group of humans, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Shulmanatrix, Rebecca, Natalie, Mayan, Chiara, Atius, Chloe Wilkins, Tabitha Kraft, Reb Noonan, Anna Catherine Hodges, Julia Packett, The Return of Michael Beck, and someone that made their name, it's definitely Ludo Bagman. A name correction for Kirsten English, apologies for not saying Nina Jasilik and Ribbon Monstrosity in the past couple of episodes as producers, shout out to Caitlin Ridley who upgraded their pledge, and a huge shout out to our newest producer level patron, Kaw Kaw Mother Feathers. They joined the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Clown, Merchismo, Samantha, Juan, Rosemary, Maria, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Haley, Alex, John, Noel, Liz, Brandon, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Summer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addy, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Alicia, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Eileen, Keegan, Mr. Folk, Maya, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Skyla, Edel, Professor Threat, Ellie, Elizabeth, Michael, Kelly, Kerry, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Aurora, Marcos, Courtney, Marieke, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Jenny, McKenna, Heather, Brad, Thomas, Brianna, Kevin, Laurie, Chrissy, Yarl, Ashley, Peter, Sophie, Jen, and. Callahan, Leah, Melissa, Bella, Melanie, Elizabeth, Britt, Becca, Reese, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, Tyrone, Money, Madison, Kyle, Tonks, G.K., Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, David, Matt, Okama, Hime, Yimki, Pony, Pony, Jacob, Kelsey, Taco, Bluffish, Rike, Taylor, Rochelle, Megan, Alicia, Riley, Colleen, Laurel, Rossanne, Erica, Miranda, Landon, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Richard, Sandra, Craig, Andrean, K., Steve, Lior, Angela, Julia, Demi, Kelsey, Michael, Dene, Michelle, Callista, Kringle, Lovekesh, Jennifer, Crystal, Henrika, Jeremy, Delkis, Katrina, Jerrica, Michelle, Casey, Megan, A Thousand Zot, Serenity, Jack, Sophia, Matthew, Dane, Rochelle, Kirsty, Robin, Chick, Mermaid, Aaron, Biatch, Ilaria, Liam, Lori, Gregory, Chris esteemed nuggets and can't Who never go swimming in a pool without bringing a towel down and then they have to knock on a window and scream very loudly to their mother inside, hey mom, please get me a towel I forgot to bring one down and I'm very wet If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary exclusive live streams, exclusive merch and more, you can head on over to patreon.com potterless, but without further ado let's get into episode 133 of Potterless, the first of two episodes covering act 2 of a Very Potter sequel, guest starring Anna Brisbane, aka brizzy voices. Hello, internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 28-year-old man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He eventually got around to it, and now he's doing things beyond spin-off material of sorts. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and I'm here joined today by someone that you may know as Brizzy Voices. It's Anna Brisbane. Anna, how's it going?
1: Hey, it's pretty good. How's it going with you? You
0: know, as we said before recording, all things considered, it's good. I feel like there's just a constant state of uh, all things considered before any sentence I say these days. So, uh, you know, given the world is on fire, it's great.
1: Yeah, but you at least have uh, so much new Potter content to consume. That's really exciting.
0: Yeah. And extra impetus to do non-canon stuff because of a certain person's Twitter. Yay! Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, At least there is so <laughs> much non-canon out there for us too.
0: I'm very thankful that the timing of me doing non-canon stuff lined up with J.K. Rowling <laughs> deciding to bookend Pride with Twitter storms of the anti-trans variety.
1: Yeah, and, and no less than probably the unofficial stuff that she probably hates the most. She, oh yeah, <laughs> pretty sure she's gotta hate Mary Potter* musical stuff, considering how protective she is of it.
0: That should just give me extra fuel. <laughs> But we are here to discuss the remaining parts of a Very Potter sequel. Now, you are not engaged to anyone in the cast, are you? (laughs) Is this another surprise I'm going to learn? Not yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If I I follow in my best friend's footsteps, I guess it might be on the horizon, but not yet.
0: (laughs) I'll go send a letter to Darren Criss letting him know. But what is your experience with the A uh, Very Potter trilogy, when did you watch it? Are you a big fan of it? Where does that all fall with your fandom?
1: I, I wish I could specifically remember the first time I saw Very Potter musical. I assume it was just some point in high school because I specifically remember rewatching it first year of college with my Quidditch team. We had like a... Harry Potter party where we like made cauldron cakes and pumpkin pasties yes. and watched Harry Potter musical and it was the best. So I've definitely seen a Harry Potter musical two or three times and then Harry Potter sequel I had only seen once probably the year it came out and probably not since until yesterday. Wow,
0: okay, cool cool cool. And yeah. I
1: haven't I haven't seen the next one, the 5 hour long saga that Tessa refers to. I've not <laughs> seen that one. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I have not obviously seen it either. I did not realize it was so long until Tessa brought it up, but it's okay. We'll see. I'm excited to talk about it, but I'm excited for discussing the rest of a Harry Potter sequel, which I did enjoy. I I don't know. I feel like I did enjoy act one a little bit more, but there was less umbrage in act two. So that made me a little happy. And that's like the biggest issue I just that whole portrayal felt gross especially given what's been going on recently so it was Certainly. nice to have a bit of a distraction from that yeah, before yeah. the most of this act since it doesn't really center on her
1: yeah and act two has so much uh, like action and, and intrigue and reveals yeah. that it's it's less like oh potty joke potty joke potty joke kind of Transcoded joke None of that It's just like Mm -hmm. Oh We've got stuff to like Keep us on the edge Of our seats now
0: Yeah It's weirdly like The reverse of Act 2 In a Very Potter musical In a Very Potter musical Act 2 I think Was not as much fun Because there were Less songs in it And that left room For more gross jokes Whereas in this act There was more action So I feel like There were less gross jokes Because they kept Driving the plot along Yeah I still didn't feel like There were a ton of songs But the action did did keep things moving along pretty smoothly. Yeah, agreed. So act two begins with Dean reading a big exposition dump from the Daily Prophet. And Dean then calls Sirius Black, Sirius Black. We've discussed on the previous episode that hopefully this Dean portrayal is making fun of the fact that he's one of the few black characters in the series. And hopefully it's not a lol, this is what black people are like I know, yeah. So I'm just gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and really hope.
1: Yeah, it definitely makes me uncomfortable but I I don't know whose idea that was. It might have been the actress's idea it it might have been Nick Lang or Matt Lang's idea. I don't know Mm -hmm. but obviously if it was the actress's idea then I don't want to bang on her for her own jokes but not a fan of it.
0: <laughs> I'm going to save my critiques on it until I can talk with people from StarCode and double check. And hopefully they go, ah, yes, this was a not the best executed joke about the lack of diversity. Yeah, yeah. And then I can go, yay, and sleep at night. <laughs> so everybody hates Umbridge for changing everything. Cho is especially sad because the Valentine's Feel Her Up dance has now been changed to an abstinence rally.
1: Oh, my gosh. What's worst about that is when I was watching it without captions, I- I thought it she because of her southern accent, I thought she was saying fill her up.
0: Oh no. Like, oh no, it's even worse.
1: <laughs> so, it's actually way not as bad as I thought it was. So, that's good.
0: That's yeah, at least it wasn't the worst possible thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but yeah, I'll get into it later. The mixture of college humor with the fact that these characters are 11, it doesn't sit super well.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth of uh College humor and, oh, we're just little kids. Oh, I'm just 11 years old. Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like for the most part, the whole musical, you're really supposed to interpret them as college kids. And then the jokes are when they're like, remember that I'm 11? <laughs> right. Because we're supposed to be like, oh yeah, we are not interpreting this as 11 at all. That's why it's funny.
0: Yeah. That's why with a lot of the jokes, I feel that the more you think about it, the worse it can get. Yeah. If you kind of just take it as, oh, they're college kids, so they're probably acting as if the characters are college kids. They're doing this for a college audience, etc. But yeah, when you stop and think, wait, Joe's 11, not as good, but we will move on. <laughs> Neville says that everybody is taking out their anger on him which proves to be true Crab and Goyle also say that they hate Umbridge and they are asked wait you guys hate her too I thought you'd get along since she's a bitch and you guys are dicks (laughs) (laughs) Seamus says that one and they're like I know we thought it would be too I'm not a huge fan at least I don't think that bitch should be thrown around as frivolously as they do in this play but like the core of this joke I get, but the word choice, maybe not.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's stuff that totally goes over your head like in 2009 or whatever. It's just such the common vernacular. Yeah,
0: and I do want to take this time to clarify something I've said in previous things is that when I talk about things being in 2009, it definitely comes from my perspective of me being in college in 2009 and not necessarily like the world because as a college kid in 2009, me and my peers maybe weren't as keen on, oh, we probably shouldn't be saying some of these words as much. I would hope, but I cannot speak from experience, if older people, like people who were in their 30s in 2009, maybe they had the realization a couple years earlier, hey guys, let's stop calling everyone a bitch as a joke (laughs) because it's not funny. So let me just lay that out there that I do not speak for the world because I was just a teenager in 2009. Hey, it's Editing Mike here. Just wanted a quick note for posterity. I don't know what past Mike was thinking when he recorded this podcast, but he forgot that he grabbed. Graduated high school in 2010, so I was not, in fact, in college in 2009. I was a junior in high school. I have no idea what past Mike was thinking. I'm very sorry for his transgressions and the inaccuracy of his statements. Anyway, back to the podcast.
1: Sure, but I'm going to problematically announce that I I love the cleverest bitch of her age line. I just, I still love that one. (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: i think the problem and i said this earlier is that because they use foul language so much that some of the lines i think could have been good but it's the fact that bitch gets thrown around a lot that it becomes not as easy to digest if you will like if that was the only time they said it maybe it would land a little bit better but the fact that they use it in some of these throwaway lines like this line doesn't Need it like you don't have to call her that. You can say something else and still get the same point across. So I think it's just like the overuse of it that makes it kind of not feel great when you're done watching the play.
1: Yeah, I, d- I do think a lot of it, at least when they're referring to Umbridge, comes from like uh, it's probably based on sort of reader frustrations. I assume a lot of people reading uh Order of the Phoenix mainly had the thought like Umbridge is such a bitch. Oh my god, I feel like that was a very common sentiment, and it probably feels a little bit cathartic to be able to actually say that in a Harry Potter setting and make it seem like the characters are actually calling her a bitch when... Molly's like the only one who ever says the word bitch in Harry Potter.
0: Yeah, still wild that that actually made it into the book. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I guess the bigger problem I have is when they call Hermione. Yeah,
1: that yeah, yeah. you don't
0: need to call Hermione. She's Hermione. She's I so know, I don't know. Yeah. Common theme is just why are we so rude to Hermione?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's like commentary on like, remember how everyone was such a dick to Hermione? Like this so rude, and even in the book, like. They're exaggerating it, you know, for a fact to be like, Hermione was freaking mistreated all throughout the
0: book. She really was, she really was. I mean, in the first book, kind of annoying, and I'm on record as not liking Book One Hermione, but then she comes around, it's fine.
1: (laughs) She was just doing her best. Yeah,
0: she is, she is. So Goyle screams, I need chamomile before my slumber, which I think is just (laughs) the perfect line read in that screaming manner. It's just fantastic. (laughs) So then Harry enters, he asks who made Cho cry, and then says that he doesn't even care and just goes immediately to beating up Neville, (laughs) which, classic Neville mistreatment joke yes harry then reads the prophet he is distraught and ron tries to cheer him up with a red vine and harry turns down a red vine which much to ron's dismay As to
1: the audience's dismay i love how the whole audience was like <gasps> no <laughs> i love like paying attention to the audience more this time around
0: yes the audience definitely gets into it in a couple different parts and i do think that it's very funny that Over the course of act one, Starkid has established enough of a love of red vines that the first time someone turns it down, the audience is crestfallen and heartbroken.
1: Yes, very effective.
0: (laughs) So Lupin enters. Lupin says I'll ignore that some of you are late if you ignore that I'm the latest uh-huh. and nobody laughs so he asks what's wrong I
1: love it so much it's so dumb <laughs> I love that he's like you're not laughing at my joke what the heck <laughs> he was <laughs> <like> a good
0: joke <laughs> yeah I said a great joke nobody laughed clearly something is wrong
1: come on I'm the cool teacher
0: <laughs> so he asks them what's wrong they say that they're afraid of Umbridge and everything so he says oh so if you're afraid of the Dementors why don't we learn the Patronus spell so he talks about the Patronus charm and he says that all you need to do to cast one is have a wonderful thought. And then all of the kids in unison say, "Any happy little thought?" Is that a reference to anything or was it just funny because they all said it in unison and there was a piano in the background? I
1: meant to google it, but it sounds like such a reference, right? Like is there is it a Peter Pan or something? It
0: really felt like a theater reference <laughs> that I was missing.
1: I think it's from "You can fly, you can fly, you can fly." I think it's in the lyrics.
0: For that. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So Cho says that her happy thought is going to be imagining all of the attention being on her at the Valentine's dance. And then Lupin makes a joke about making that a reality. And this is the first instance where I started to feel uncomfortable because not only are we dealing with Cho being 11 years old, but now we're talking about a teacher hinting at a student-teacher relationship with an 11-year-old. This was my brain kept thinking about it and I just... <laughs> wanted to not
1: (laughs) because the more
0: you analyze it the worse it is
1: i know and i I, even if you read most of the characters as high school college age like you kind of average the two and imagine them all like in high school like later harry potter years even though it's literally the first year Mm -hmm. but even if she's like in high school that is so messed up And it's yeah. I mean,
0: even in college, I don't think there is ever a good time when Uh, you have a relationship where inherently the power dynamic is off. Yeah. So uh, it's just that joke compounded with her being 11 and being sexualized, and then also uh, Um. just we're gonna move on. (laughs)
1: Yeah. her, Her Flitwick, she makes a comment about Flitwick is gonna fail her now, and. Oh, jeez.
0: So Lupin asks Ron if he's thinking about a snack or a frumpy little girl. And he (laughs) says, no, I was thinking about Harry. And then Harry goes, oh, cool. I was thinking about me, too. (laughs) Oh, cool, me, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love douchebag Harry. I love this choice for the series as a whole. It's a
0: very great choice. It's a very solid one. Love making fun of him for that. Then someone asks Lupin what he will think of. And then there's a piano key immediately after and he looks off into the middle distance. (laughs) (laughs) He says... I'm gonna think of the man who considered me his best friend and Ron oh, oh, Hagrid! Hagrid. Yeah, nice, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> Which it made me sad that there's no Hagrid interpretation in the first two musicals. Maybe he'll come up in the third, but I feel like them doing a Hagrid would have been really
1: funny. Yeah, that feels like there's so much potential for jokes there, and it's just it's shocking. Yeah.
0: Maybe Hagrid will come into the play in the third one. We'll have to wait to see. <laughs> but during the middle of this lesson, Umbridge breaks in and says, "What the spell is going on here?" Love a good pun. <laughs> She is mad that Lupin is going off curriculum and shows him the defense against the dark arts textbook that he should be using. And it just looks like a dictionary. It's just a huge book. And Lupin says that textbook is like a thousand years old. It still refers to dementors as ring rates. Mm-hmm. Which, now that I have finally seen the Lord of the Rings movies, I get this joke. Was
1: that recent too?
0: It was recent. I hadn't seen it growing up. And this is why I never read the Harry Potter books as a kid and everything. I just wasn't really into fantasy. So I never got into all of that stuff. But I tried to watch the Lord of the Rings movies at multiple occasions at my friends' houses. And the music was just always so soothing. And the landscapes were always so beautiful that I fell asleep every single time I tried to watch it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I understand that very much so.
0: But finally, my wife, Kelly, sat me down and we watched all of them and we watched the director's cut. So it took 37 weeks, but (gasps) it was worth it. They were really good movies.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I still haven't seen the director's cut. I don't think
0: it's quite long. I will say I don't know if it's necessary. I don't even know what's in the director's cut versus what's not in the director's cut. But I will say that I think I enjoyed the third movie the most. I have no idea if this is a hot take or not.
1: Mm. I don't know either.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Who's to say? But I did appreciate the Ring Ray thing because as I watched the Lord of the Rings movies, it did feel like there was a decent amount of stuff that JK kind of ripped from Lord of the Rings. And maybe it's just general fantasy tropes. But a lot of the things looked quite familiar.
1: Certainly. But yeah, it's hard to say. I think there's a lot of stuff that could is just, you know, magically inclined and, right. you know, a cloaked dark figure that's creepy and bad is not that <laughs> uh, original, I guess.
0: <laughs> Elves have pointy ears, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So Umbridge says that she doesn't approve of Lupin's hands-on approach to teaching. Lupin uh, says, Cho, what? I was joking, which
1: yeah.
0: uh, again. <laughs> if she wasn't 11, that could be funnier, but my brain immediately went to, ah, once he said it.
1: Uh, I mean, I guess it just helps that first time I watched it, didn't really think about the fact that they're 11 until they joke about the fact that they're 11, and and then I am just immediately forget that they're 11 again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they just have to go and remind you of that a couple lines later. (laughs) (laughs) So Umbridge then fires Lupin. And as he is leaving, Cho says, too bad you were joking, professor, because I could have been your greatest adventure. Again, 11, we're just going to move on. Oh my God. Lupin and Snape meet up as he is leaving and they apologize to each other, which is really nice. And then Umbridge asks the students, guess who gets to be your new Defense Against the Dark Arts professor? And everyone goes, Snape? And then she goes, no, me. Which is very funny because first off, always the joke in the books that Snape, didn't get to be the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor, even though he wanted to really badly. And then earlier in the play, there was the question of, who's going to be the new headmaster, Snape? No, me! So I like the little callback here.
1: Yeah, cute.
0: But then Umbridge brings out Mama's Little Love Hand, which is one of those... Sorority spanking things But with nails on it Yeah, I I went to a college that did not have Greek life So this is a bit lost on me (laughs) Okay, yeah, so I'm not well versed In hazing tactics of sorts
1: I mean, they definitely don't usually Have nails (laughs) I
0: was gonna say, I feel like nails Wouldn't be a common addition to the paddle Yeah,
1: but paddle (laughs) is definitely Like a hazing thing And then they decorate it with The letters or symbols on it I think also I feel like back in the day, it was probably a little, like, uh, school corporal punishment method or parental mm-hmm. uh, corporal punishment method. That paddle or switch.
0: Yeah. I will never understand Greek life <laughs> Me at neither. All. There's so many things <laughs> no. that are confusing about it. I don't get the hazing. I don't get all of the different... I mean I get that the letters are Greek but I don't get it. it's like oh if you're in this house with these letters it's this click but uh-huh. if you go into this house with these letters it's a different click and then they have all of the different hand signs for the sororities and I just they get their own house. It's so foreign to me. I am so baffled by it. I don't understand why it is stuck. Just
1: a lot of deep, deep psychological bonding and ingraining of loyalty. Very deep-seated stuff. It
0: just feels like the peak of American culture of, oh, yeah. oh this is a tradition because it's a tradition, yeah. so we keep doing it. Like, there doesn't seem to be any pro of, like, yeah, this is a good idea. People are like, oh, it's about a brotherhood. It's like, you can mm-hmm. just be friends with people in a normal setting. I played club tennis in college. I was friends with people who also liked tennis. Like I don't get why it's like, oh, we're in the club where we beat up the freshmen because we love them. I don't understand.
1: Yeah, it's very, it's kind of culty, you know, (laughs) like when you go through that, it makes you closer, more bonded to the situation as a whole because it's like you went through something to get there. And so you achieved something and and stood out through something tough and and you made it, and then you like earned this position and in this group that now you have to feel really loyal to,
0: yeah, but I guess the whole struggle is just completely fabricated by juniors and seniors that are just hazing freshmen, yeah, the hell that I went through in college was doing problem sets in. The library until like four in the morning, and then you walk out with your friends <laughs> arm in arm,
1: yeah, <laughs> Dorito
0: crumbs all over your fingers, and ramen in your belly,
1: <laughs> yes,
0: as you finally finished a practice set. <laughs> so then there is an Umbridge and Hermione scene about Umbridge seeing Hermione as a younger version of herself but then they're talking about the negative things that people have said to them, and Hermione says, ugly, ugly. and then Umbridge goes, oh, you're calling me ugly, <laughs> and then Umbridge wants to hit her with the spiky mama's love hand, but then everybody steps up for her, starting with Ron, and then Snape steps in to get them just to go to potions class, and then they get on out of there, all of them announcing, hooray, as they leave. <laughs> the only time that anyone has said that before going to Snape's potions class.
1: Yeah, yeah, better place to be.
0: But Umbridge Umbridge asks Harry to stay back and asks Harry if he knows where Dumbledore is. And Harry says that he does not. And he says to Umbridge that she can do her worst. And then Umbridge says, oh, I will. And then cracks her own finger. And I legitimately jumped in my seat while I was watching it because... I thought it was real until I realized, oh, it was probably someone from the orchestra section making some sort of noise. But it was a very convincing cracking finger sound.
1: Yeah, I never thought it, I always just... Just, what, never thought about it? Assumed it was real? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you thought Joe
0: Walker legit broke his finger? I just never
1: thought too deeply about it, you know? Just in the theater mode <laughs> of suspend all disbelief. <laughs> Everything is real.
0: That's just a testament to how good it was. It was incredibly convincing. <laughs> yeah. So Lupin then enters. He is drunk. And one of the funnier elements of him being drunk is that he pulls out a second flask after finishing his first one. And then says Alohamora to the flask and then untwists it and goes, ha.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh. I love the use of like little minimal spells in this one. Oh, it's very solid. Yeah.
0: I feel like there wasn't enough of that in the books. If I was a wizard, I would use these spells just to do so many little things that I didn't feel like oh, doing.
1: Oh, yeah. Akio would be Every other word out of my mouth would be accio.
0: Mm-hmm. It would be really bad. It would be really <laughs> bad to the point where I feel like I would turn into one of the people from Wally where it's exactly. just like, I've never moved before. Exactly. I don't remember what walking is. Because you could just not teleport. What's the magic word for it? Abrate.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then the sport doesn't even involve running.
0: Oh my gosh. You're right. Yeah. I feel like you would have very specific core muscles in order to stay on a broom. But yeah, it would be a funky build to be a Quidditch player. <laughs> but yeah, I just, it would be really tempting just to everywhere and accio everywhere and not mm-hmm. necessarily you know walk and pick up something
1: Yup, it'd be a problem <laughs> maybe there's there's magical potions and stuff to balance that out
0: right yeah yeah there's a uh an anti-muscle atrophy <laughs> potion yeah. you can drink to make sure you don't lose all your muscle mass much grow, like i grow. have done over quarantine oh boy Yay. what a time <laughs> <laughs> i've become a big noodle likey boy <laughs> But I got home to my parents' place, my dad has some dumbbells in the garage, and I finally was able to do a workout with not just my body weight, which was so relieving for me, but not my muscles, because I think halfway through the first set, my legs were like, what are you doing? (laughs) We're not used to this. I'm so sore immediately.
1: It just means you're you're making progress again.
0: That's true. It's true. (laughs) It's very, very true. So Harry gives Lupin back the Marauders map and Lupin starts to leave, but then he says, a full moon is coming up, Harry. Stay indoors or I'll eat ya. Ha ha ha. And then I'll leaves. Eat ya. <laughs> so we cut to Umbridge, who has turned Dumbledore's office from a Zach Efron High School musical-themed office into a Team Jacob Twilight-themed office. This is office.
1: like the most clever like callback joke twist thing for Headmaster Zephron being so great and whatever. Like, you're not just recycling that. You're really, like, building on it and making it make sense and making you have more reasons to not like Umbridge and just laugh at everything. It's really well done.
0: And it's incredibly smart because at least what my understanding of the reception to High School Musical versus Twilight is that for the most part, High School Musical was beloved and Twilight was very divisive in that you either (laughs) loved it or you hated it. So to do it so that you're not only changing Dumbledore's office, which is already upsetting, but also you're changing it from an objectively good thing to this terrible thing. And I've never read Twilight or watched it, but I know enough about it to know that being Team Jacob is wrong, I think. (laughs) I feel like Team Edward is the less hot take of the team to be on. So I feel like it's the next level after. Do you have Twilight experience? Have you read it? Have you watched it? I I would love an explanation.
1: See, I'm, I'm not a good example because... I read Twilight. Mostly I just listened to the audiobooks, but I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. But also, I was Team Jacob because Edward is, is not, he's an empty husk. He has no, he's he's nothing. He has no oh, personality. Okay. Uh, that is not a common opinion to have. I think at least Ed, Jacob is fun and her friend and has some form of personality. So I was always Team Jacob, but that is not okay. what people who actually like Twilight side with for obvious reasons. Okay.
0: I don't know much, but it feels like it's just a battle of everybody wants to eat Bella, but for different reasons.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Actually, Jacob just wants to uh, marry her unborn kid. Oh, yeah, child. he, like,
0: wants to marry her unborn kid. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's why I don't like Jacob. Now I remember.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, up until that point, obviously, I was team Jacob. The whole imprinting thing was not a cute thing.
0: <laughs> is that revealed in the first book or is it revealed later?
1: The very end of the last book.
0: That. Now I feel bad for anyone that was heavily on Team Jacob, because if he was so good, yeah. and he's very attractive, so he's got that going for him too, or maybe <laughs> you just like werewolves some more, that would be such a rude awakening to root for Team Jacob for multiple books and to try to defend him against your Team Edward friends, and then, uh-oh, plot twist, turns out... <laughs>
1: Yeah, he wants I was to marry and you this get with time, Bella's unborn but you were just attracted Ugh. to an egg inside her body. What? What? Ugh. Question mark. Also, wouldn't you think if that were the case, he would be equally attracted to Edward? <laughs> with his half of <gasps> the child. Oh,
0: there's got to be a fan fiction about that.
1: Yes, I've, o- I've only just had this thought for the first time in my life, but now I'm
0: interested. <laughs> so then we get a scene where Umbridge is arguing with the sorting hat and she sends the hat away. And as the hat is being sent off, it says, tell Scarfy I love him. Yeah. So I appreciate a good... Accessory item, accessory item ship makes me very happy.
1: Yes, yes, good. Confirmed, ship confirmed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's canon. Umbridge is then alone in her office and is sad about Harry disrespecting her. But then the sadness turns to hunger and then she sees some cheesecake off in the corner and wants to eat the cheesecake. And then we get the ghost of her mother
1: entering. (gasps) Yeah, (laughs) which the audience freaking loved. (laughs) They
0: really ate it up. I did not eat it up. As much. Nor
1: did I. I do
0: appreciate people acting and doing old people voices and stuff because I always think that's funny. But it was a bit worrisome for me because she gets really into saying things that Umber just said earlier in their play, like chubby little fucks and all of that, Mm -hmm. which never. Felt good, but then also she has this southern-ish accent that felt a little bit Chillins. like maybe we're getting into trying to talk like southern black people
1: thing, and I didn't really know oh. if they were just going
0: for a southern vibe. Yeah, I, like I didn't know I'd if Never was... had that thought
1: because for me that's just southern. I'm from South Carolina, so like. Okay, Chillins. yeah,
0: that was like, the other thing is I am I am very much a New Jersey born and raised boy, so I am not well versed in what is just making fun of the South versus right. what is. Raised racist so i hope it's just making fun of the south
1: yeah same i mean i i never had the thought but i'm white so who knows
0: who's to say regardless wasn't a fan of this scene
1: (laughs) what i did like was the the little do you love them enough to kill them that was the one part that i appreciated i did
0: have in my notes that's the one redeeming moment for me (laughs) do you love them enough to kill them
1: yes i love that
0: (laughs) and then umbridge later on says but how do i kill the children i don't want to hurt them
1: yes (laughs) Do I use this axe? I've been sharpening this whole time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Snape then enters and Snape gives us what is very important in terms of canon for a Very Potter musical and that whole extended universe is Snape says... Where did the poster of Headmaster Zephron go? Mm-hmm. So that establishes that Zach Efron was a past headmaster of Hogwarts, yes. which is very good.
1: Oh, do they never say that in the first one?
0: If they did, I missed it.
1: I presume they did, but I, I could have been wrong. I think that was the idea, though, is it's like one of mm. the portraits on the wall of headmasters, but at this time it's it's, it's a, <laughs> a Zac Efron poster.
0: That would make a lot more sense because usually in the headmaster's office, that's where all of the past headmaster portraits. So yeah, that makes more
1: sense. Yeah. See, it's even smarter than we thought.
0: Mm-hmm. So <laughs> when Snape asks this, Umbridge says that she's Team Jacob and then Snape replies, what do you want, you horrid bitch? Again, one of these lines where, could have used a different word maybe?
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. But
0: Umbridge then talks about the killing Harry plan and says that she can't do it, but needs someone at the school who hates Harry. And then Snape goes, don't look at me. And then Lucius kicks open the door and goes, no, look at me, and then <laughs> does what is so fantastic that I rewatched it roughly 82 times, is <laughs> he does a jazz square, and then a leap, and then a pirouette, and then a pose, and then Yaxley comes in and gives him water to rehydrate him.
1: Yes, wonderful. <laughs> oh,
0: the dance moves, just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so cute. It really? And it was at this point that I realized because of the pose, I only just now realized that he was wearing dancer tights the whole time. Oh, like yeah, he wasn't you wearing did, pants. I
1: didn't notice that <laughs> until now. That's so funny.
0: <laughs> it's such a good yes. little thing I didn't notice until the particular pose. And uh, the detail is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Lucius tries to get Umbridge in on the plan, and the plan is to let the Death Eaters into Hogwarts, leave Harry alone with Lucius, he'll torture Harry to find out where Dumbledore is, and then he'll kill him, and Umbridge agrees.
1: Foolproof plan.
0: <laughs> it should be fine, right? What could go wrong? So Lucius and Snape then get into a song about the pensive and how there's always douchey guys like James Potter. And the song, actually pretty solid. The guy's yeah, voice, yeah. the actor who plays Lucius, really good. I don't know. Is it vibrato where he's like, oh, 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 for a lot yeah, of the singing? Yeah. I thought That's that was vibrato. very good.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, this this melody is so nice.
0: Mm-hmm. It was very solid. And then you have a fun element where they rip off Snape's cloak and he's transported back. He's part of the pensive flashback. So smart. And you see it. the whole... Snape yelling at Lily thing, where James is picking on Snape. Yeah, and Lily stands up for Snape. And then James says, fine, I'll stop picking on him if you go on a date with me. And Lily goes, you're such an asshole.
1: And, and so, so charming, charming, and then
0: runs over. <laughs> yeah. Snape then calls Lily a mudblood, using his normal voice, not the, ooh, Snape voice, but yeah. just, I guess, what the actor's normal voice sounds like. He
1: aged into that voice. I guess,
0: yeah. That's what I thought was funny, is that immediately after, he screams, I'm sorry, as she runs away in the classic Snape voice that he's been using the whole play. So I like thinking of this in canon terms, and that this moment was such a defining moment of regret for Snape that his voice changed forever from a normal <laughs> voice into mm, this one.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I did not think about that change happening right then. I interpreted this as like the little woo, 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 fading, rippling uh, scene where oh. it fades into the past, into the future, and he's, he's yelling, uh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he suddenly still he's suddenly adult Snape and yelling I'm sorry back at his memories and it's (sighs) uh, like my heart it is I like that
0: so that's gotta be what it is. (laughs) (laughs) That is a thousand percent probably what it is. But I'm just gonna leave my thing as
1: an alternate uh, interpretation, you know?
0: It's like art. There's no wrong answer. (laughs) Yeah,
1: we can ask Joe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, true, true, true. We do have the ability to do so. (laughs) Then we have Snape singing and it was only until this point that I realized he hasn't sung in any other part of the musicals, the first or this one.
1: Just ensemble stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he
0: has a great voice. Yeah, He's great. It's not easy to kind of sing in uh, a Snape-ish voice that he's got going on But it works
1: I mean most of the time he doesn't
0: <laughs> I mean how could you
1: Yeah truly <laughs> It'd have to be comical And you don't want this whole thing to be comical This is like actual feelings so. right, right right yeah.
0: And then the ending line of this song Is just peak 2010 Lucia says quote You were totally pwned Yes Which was a word that I think rose and fell to fame In the year 2010
1: <laughs> I When I heard that I was like What? Was it only that long ago that people were using Pwned? I thought it was so much longer ago. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I I just, yeah, you forget that that word existed.
0: So strange. It was such a, I feel like, In 2010, Pwned is kind of like what 2013 was for Epic, where everything in 2013 was Epic, and then it was so much so that no one has said the word since, or at least no rational human being has said the word Epic in the past seven years. Yeah, for sure. So Snape, after the song, decides that he is in on the plan. Then we have a scene of Umbridge giving detention to everyone, but Harry is going to get special detention alone with Umbridge. Mm -hmm. As Harry is on his way to Umbridge's office for this special detention, he runs into drunk Snape in the hallway, and (laughs) Snape makes Harry sit down for a chat.
1: You have to listen to me, I'll expel you! (laughs) (laughs)
0: Snape is drunk off of a six-pack of... Guinness that has been turned into Butterbeer, and they even made a custom box for it? The prop department really just continues to impress me over and over again. Yeah. (laughs) It says Butterbeer. It's got a logo like the Guinness harp, but is changed. Ah, I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. So it's this drunken ramble from Snape about liking Lily and hating James. And the way it starts off seems to be heartfelt, but then mm. when Snape is talking about Lily, he then dives into saying that he just wanted to grab her boobies and motorboat them. Yep. So it just goes from being heartfelt to very childish.
1: Oh, yeah classic star kid
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just makes you think you're gonna feel emotions and then no nope. potty humor oh past Mike it's funny that you brought up Mr. X that you weren't expecting maybe you weren't expecting me to come here to let you know that it's time we gotta take a little bit of a break for him and Radosa Today's episode is brought to you by another podcast I've created, Meddling Adults. Meddling Adults is a whodunit game show for charity where I serve as the host and guests compete head-to-head in a contest of solving children's mysteries from classics like Encyclopedia Brown, Scooby-Doo, and Shelby Woo, and whoever scores the most points earns money for a charity of their choosing. Points are awarded for correct guesses, bonus points are given out for absurd accusations, and you can play along at home to test your sleuthing prowess against the wits of fictional young detectives. You can listen to Meddling Adults by searching for Meddling Adults wherever you your podcasts or going to our website, meddlingadults.com. I hope you check it out and happy sleuthing. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally. So if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. right there. Wow. Anyways, that's, that's, that's are arenaclub.com/potterless wow. for ten percent off t-n-o your first wow. purchase. That's a so wild offer. Ten percent off a hundred dollars in some packs or in a more right transparent anyways, way. That's arenaclub.com/tn right for 10% all sorts of nerds like purchase. me. You can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. So, Snape tries to warn Harry about Umbridge when he's about to go in. Harry doesn't listen. So he enters Umbridge's office, and Lucius immediately greets him, and Harry, in the most innocent way, goes, oh, hi, and then Lucius stupefies him right off the bat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's an 11-year-old, he can't do anything.
0: (laughs) Nah. So then we cut to everyone else being in the group detention, and Cho is pretty mean to Hermione, calls her a little Umbridge. Ron tries to cheer up Hermione with red vines, and she declines, and he freaks out that nobody wants red vines, and again, the audience... As you pointed out, very on-team Red Vines here.
1: Yes. Powerful stuff.
0: Are you a Red Vine or a Twizzler person?
1: Bro, I... I had never heard of Red Vines. Okay. I had never heard of Red Vines until A Very Potter Musical. That was my introduction to Red Vines. So I will only <laughs> ever associate Red Vines with A Very Potter Musical.
0: I get it. I get it. I think a lot of people have that connection. And when I staunchly defended Team Twizzler over Team Red Vine in previous episodes of Potterless, I was met with mostly agreement. It seems <laughs> yeah. like the vast majority of people agree that Twizzlers are better. But I did receive some fervent defense of red vines from people whose taste buds clearly are broken and there was one person in particular that said no way you're so wrong red vines are so much better and then I made some sort of joke about their taste buds being broken and they said the only thing better than original flavor red vines is black licorice flavored red vines and then I threw my laptop into a dumpster and pushed it into the Mariana Trench because I could not deal with such a hot take
1: oh my god gross I didn't even know red like red vines makes black. Blah, 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 blah. I guess
0: I don't know. I don't. Whoever invented black licorice, Monsters. John Black Licorice. I hope he. <laughs> I hope he lost his candy making license after doing so.
1: <laughs> I like red vines just fine. I like them mostly for the meme. I like them mostly for Very <laughs> Potter musical, but. Uh, I obviously just taste wise texture wise which softer nicer I'm going to prefer Twizzlers but they're so they're very similar in my brain so depends on the situation. Do it. Am I going for the meme or am I going for tasties?
0: Yeah, and even now, I realize that I am a 28-year-old man with the stomach of a 57-year-old, I guess, because <laughs> I just have no tolerance for sweets anymore. Yeah. I, I, my body, just after not having candy once a year for Halloween, I guess, anytime I have candy, because I usually, I've, I've, I don't have a big sweet tooth aside from like ice cream or milkshakes or basically cold frozen dairy desserts, fro-yo, et cetera. Yeah. Anything other than that, I'm not a big sweets guy. So anytime I have candy, I remember I I had a couple Smarties the other day, and after eating four, I had a headache. I was like, "Oh, I gotta lay down."
1: Four <laughs> Smarties? Oh my god! Oh
0: no, four individual, not like four I packets.
1: I know. <laughs> <That is> nothing. <laughs>
0: I know. I just I I'm not used to just like pure sugar.
1: Wow. I mean, that means you've been treating yourself very well. (laughs) I
0: guess, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's like where if you don't drink milk, you become lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. Maybe because I haven't given myself enough sweets, I'm just dead. But I will go on the record here to say that the only worthwhile flavor of smarties is white the rest of the flavors are trash
1: oh i i can't remember they all taste the same to me
0: <laughs> yeah they're all very similar but all the colors are very slightly fruit sure. color so it's almost like when you drink flavored seltzer water where you yeah, think oh, ah, yeah. this is almost flavored like <gasps> something
1: what if you put a smarty into flavored seltzer water it just and <gasps> it matched Maybe. the color oh, it's like
0: addition where you have something yeah. that has barely any flavor, and then you add something that also has barely any flavor, and yeah. maybe it's, like, kind of flavored now. <laughs> and
1: then it's perfect. <laughs> wow.
0: We've really done it. We're gonna stop the podcast and invent uh, a <laughs> <laughs> S- smarty x lacroix Yeah,
1: and then you have to use, like, red vines as a straw. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of things that aren't overly sweet all put together, and now it's just soda.
1: <laughs> yes! <laughs> Genius.
0: So... Ron makes a great comparison to try to cheer Hermione up. She says that she is similar to Umbridge and Ron says that that would be like saying that Spider-Man and Venom are the same just because they have the same powers. And I'm a big Spider-Man fan, so I really enjoyed this comparison.
1: Yeah, this conversation is hilarious.
0: It's great. And it's also nice to see Ron slowly start to be a little nicer towards Hermione. Yeah, for
1: sure. Because
0: no one is.
1: Yeah, it starts to... reveal his feelings a little.
0: So then Hedwig comes in with a letter for Hermione from Little D, and Ron and Hermione go to meet him in the potions classroom. Little D is then revealed to be Draco, not Dumbledore like they thought, because previously it was Little D who gave the cloak to Sirius. So that's a big uh, surprise reveal. And then Draco, when making this reveal, says, the D stands for my wiener.
1: Yes, yes, very proudly.
0: <laughs> very, very proudly. <laughs>
1: this kind of gives me like RAB vibes. Like, oh, oh yeah. Who is RAB? Blah, 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 blah. Although, I don't think in the books they ever had like a misdirect. They never had like, oh, RAB must be this person who also is RAB. Yeah. I guess that's a little bit more like thinking Snape is Quirrell sort of thing, and then it's not. Yeah, the RAB thing,
0: I remember. I am not very good at predicting what happens <laughs> in the Harry Potter series. And over the course of Potterless, I tried so hard to guess and I was very often wrong. To be
1: fair, you you went straight through them, right? You didn't have years of breaks between each one to theorize in which we did. Ah.
0: <laughs> Yes, thank you for giving me more ammo to defend myself for looking very silly. (laughs) This is good. Thank you. People wrote
1: essays and were discussing on forums forever. It's like that was our jam and you just went straight through. So I can't imagine what that was like.
0: I also went through in a very public forum in that a lot of people listened to me. (laughs) My horrible predictions. But I got the RAB thing pretty easily just because we met someone with the initials at least RB, we knew Regulus Black existed. So when there was an REB, I thought, okay, who are all the RBs we know? Regulus Black. And then the only scene that we really got in the books was Hermione trying to figure out who it could be. And they were looking up some names, but I remember finding it incredibly suspicious that none of the people on her, ah, it's probably not this person list, were Regulus Black.
1: Right. Uh,
0: And that's what made me realize that it had to be him because if she hasn't ruled him out, It's gotta be him.
1: Right, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely.
0: So Draco reveals that they are actually Draco from the future.
1: Yes.
0: Which I think is such a fun (laughs) twist that only gets better when Draco says that the way that they time-traveled back was that they stowed away in Lucius's fanny pack when he used the (laughs) time-turner. Yeah,
1: what the heck, man?
0: Uh, Any joke where they make Draco in these plays... A child or very small, I think are very funny. Also because, as you see later, Lauren Lopez is so tiny.
1: She's so small.
0: How tall is Lauren Lopez? (laughs) Either Lucius is very tall or Lauren Lopez is very short. I'd
1: say five feet, five one, somewhere around there.
0: I would guess five one as well. I'm Googling Lauren Lopez height. And Google tells me <laughs> five foot even.
1: Oh, hey. <laughs> and Google, of course,
0: being very smart, asks me if I want to know the height of everyone else in Star Kid. <laughs> and uh, yeah, most of the dudes are between five, eight, and six, two.
1: Yeah, wow. Oh my
0: gosh. So it makes sense. Draco is talking about helping them out. And Draco says, quote, I'm going to hit him with every second year charm I know. We're talking squishy tushy charms, <laughs> tickling hexes, and maybe if I'm feeling especially cruel, a bubble head charm. Oh,
1: my gosh. I mean, one of them's real, right? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The joke of them just being so ill-equipped to fight is fantastic.
1: It's so good. I love it. I mean, the best part is still yet yeah, to come with that, but. Yeah, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So Ron says, wait a second, the Draco that we know always has an ulterior motive. And Draco says, that's <laughs> strange. I have no ulterior motive. As they slowly put their arm around Hermione. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh, I, I love it. It's so funny. And then when, when she's reaching down, opening her hand, but not touching mm-hmm. and, and, and reaching, mm-hmm. but, but not touching, just thinking about. It. I love little jokes like that in theater that aren't like, super pointed to it's like you've got to be watching what the actor is doing no one is going to like point it out or recognize it you just got to notice and it's hilarious Uh
0: uh-huh and it reminded me of back in the day, not that I was one that was debating between whether or not to grab someone's boob, because thankfully I knew not to do that <laughs> unless someone has given you the express written consent that you're allowed to do so. Um, but it did remind me of when I was in seventh and eighth grade agonizing over whether or not to hold someone's hand yes. during a movie or something or put my armor on their shoulder. I would get so nervous about doing that and not trying to feel like I was coming on too strong because yep. in seventh grade, that was such a big deal. Gosh, the hours that I spent agonizing over those decisions, I will never get back.
1: Yeah, and and Draco here is only 12 years old. That's like sixth grade. Yeah,
0: that's pretty huge. It's a big deal. I remember once stressing over holding the girl who I was dating's hand in seventh grade while we were watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith (gasps) in theaters.
1: Wow, so adults. And then
0: it took me over half of the movie to gain the courage to grab her hand. And then I realized after I grabbed her hand that I was so nervous about it, I was then terrified that, oh no, what if my hands are sweaty because I was so nervous. And then that only made me more nervous. It was just, oh, it was a stressful movie watching experience.
1: For sure. (laughs) Do not envy (laughs) that. (laughs)
0: so Hermione grabs Draco's face before she leaves and thanks him for being brave and then she walks away
1: yeah I love the little moment of like are they she could give him a little peck Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. is it about and then Draco's just like
0: hey look at that (laughs) The best is I was watching this with the closed captioning on. And Circuit has a lot of fun little jokes that they put into the closed captioning. But when Draco turns around very astonished and happy and pleasantly surprised, the closed captioning says, quote, Draco turns around like a jerk.
1: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is amazing.
0: I also definitely screenshotted the face that Lauren Lopez makes as Draco because it is just... Gosh, it's so perfectly expressive. It's I was laughing so hard at it.
1: <laughs> it's so good.
0: So then Draco walks over to Ron and pulls out a crayon drawing of his and Hermione's wedding with Rumble Roar presiding <laughs> as the officiant with a speech bubble above his head that says, quote, by the power of Mars.
1: Yes. I love how they don't like really point all that out. And how Ron is just like, why is the priest a lion? And it's like, oh, well, you gotta, you gotta remember from the first one. Otherwise, it's just a funny, weird thing that Draco did. It's like, oh, the priest is a lion, silly Draco, which is still funny on its own.
0: Exactly. Then Ron gets very angry. Gets real close up to Draco and says two things, Draco. One, you may be trying to help us, but two, and then just shows his middle finger and says, <laughs> you're still full of shit. Yeah. Then Ron does the most iconic thing in the entire play yeah, where he wow. does the got your nose joke, eats the nose and poops out the nose and puts the nose back on Draco's face and then walks away with the yeah. most intense stare oh and point combo. Gosh.
1: Yeah, like you got poop nose now. And
0: Draco is floored.
1: Poor little Draco baby boy. Draco
0: is crushed. Get the poop (laughs) off. So the next scene is Lucius choreographing. And I stress choreographing because (laughs) throughout the play, anytime Lucius talks about anything synonymous with planning or preparing or getting ready to do something, he always specifically says choreographing, which is (laughs) such a nice little writing note I really appreciate since he's so into dancing. So he's choreographing what to do when Harry wakes up. And mid choreograph, Harry starts to come to, so they break into these dance moves, and you just get a great shot. And shout out to the cameraman, really great camera work in this filming of their play is it's a zoom in of Harry's face and he just gives the like, "Mm, yeah, like the frown of approval. Yeah. Obama type thing. They're like, "Mm, yeah,
1: (laughs) not bad. Yeah.
0: So Lucia starts to enact his evil plan. He gets a text from Umbridge and then goes, Oh, Umbridge, stop texting me. Umbridge enters immediately going, did you get my text? (laughs) Which I think is my favorite Umbridge thing. I wasn't a big fan of all the portrayal, but the way that Umbridge asks, did you get my text? Feels like if I watched this when when it came out, I would have asked people this all the time in this voice. Like I would have ran with this bit for sure.
1: Are you kidding me? Yes. In college, this was the most, probably the most quoted part of all very oh, okay. part of musical things for us in on our Quidditch team. It would always be like, did you give my text? But you didn't text me back. It was <laughs> always that for sure.
0: What position did you play on Quidditch?
1: I was a beater. Ooh. Which is this very defensive position that required much less running than Keeper or Chaser or Seeker.
0: <laughs> got it, got it. How does that work in Muggle Quidditch because there are no bludgers? Do you throw dodgeballs at
1: people or something? <laughs> exactly. We throw dodgeballs. And if you get hit with the dodgeball, you have to run back to your hoops and reset.
0: Honestly, it sounds like a really fun position to play.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Umbridge then taunts Harry about her evil plans, and then leaves. You have Ron, Draco, and Hermione then entering as Union Death Eaters. Oh,
1: my God. I love when Umbridge is walking out and they bump into her and she's like, oh, sorry, no, 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 that's my fault. It's okay. It's just such (laughs) a, like... Normal, like, when you bump into someone, it's like, no, no, it was my fault. Like, very casual, realistic. Oh, my bad. <laughs> but it's just Umbridge bumping into Death Eaters, but the Death Eaters are in Ron area It's amazing.
0: That's very good. So there are the union Death Eaters. They say that you can only torture for so long before you have to take a break. So they have pizza. <laughs> Yaxley comes over to get the pizza, but then it's a joke where Ron has a hole cut in the bottom of the pizza box, so then punches Yaxley in the face.
1: Knuckle sandwich. (laughs)
0: But then Lucius is able to control the situation and figures out that they are not actually the Death Eaters. So then Ron resorts to getting a second pizza box and saying, oh, well, this pizza was a celebration pizza for after we saved Harry. But I guess we can give it to you. And then Yaxley very cautiously goes over to accept the pizza.
1: I love how he puts his wand away like, oh, 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 there's a a real one. Oh, I love it. (laughs)
0: And then, of course, Ron punches him in the face again. Then Ron says, phase one is complete. It's time for phase two, which is just throwing the box at Lucius and then trying to untie Harry.
1: (laughs) Such a good plan. It's
0: fantastic. It's foolproof. They start to get away, but then Lucius grabs Draco. Doesn't realize it's Draco at first because Draco still has their mask on. And then... Draco says, would you really torture your own son? And Lucius mispronounces Draco and the closed captioning even says in parentheses, mispronounces (laughs) and he calls him (gasps) Draco.
1: Oh, that's so smart. I love it. Draco, what? (laughs) So good.
0: And then Lucius still threatens to kill Draco, even after realizing it's Draco. And then you have Snape entering to defend the kids, and the line that he enters on is him yelling, Well, that's absurd. (laughs) (laughs) which I would love to ask you this to see if it was a normal thing that Tessa says all the time, or if it was just in the last episode, people pointed out that Tessa said the word absurd, roughly 315 times (laughs) over the past two episodes of Potterless. So does she say this all the time? Or was this a secret bit that Joe made her, Like had some sort of bet that she had to say absurd a lot when talking about a Harry Potter sequel. (laughs) That would
1: have been genius, but no, that's just her regular vernacular. I don't know if it's subconscious because of her love of Joe, but she she calls things absurd all the time.
0: (laughs) Mm, Pretty great, pretty great. So then Snape stupefies Lucius and... Ron tries to remove the Team Jacob poster but he can't and then he says (laughs) that it's stuck on with magic but he runs over to the rest of the actors and then he's laughing so I couldn't tell if this was intentional or if he actually just couldn't bring the poster down. A
1: hundred percent that was Like, I haven't confirmed, but 100%, right? That was just Joey Richter unable to remove the poster from the spot and be like, well, it's stuck with magic. I can't get it down. (laughs) And everyone's just like,
0: "Mm, okay. (laughs) I definitely think that's what it is because they make mention of it later. But then, and maybe this is just Starkid being really quick on their feet. Later when Pettigrew reveals himself, he comes from behind the poster. So I guess they just were really solid with working on their toes and improvising.
1: I feel like they were just supposed to put the poster back. Oh, I don't even know if they were supposed to put it back or if they were just supposed to... Wait, now my mind is messed up.
0: (laughs) So I think they were supposed to take it down because in the Pettigrew scene later, they make fun of the fact that there's still a poster there because it's supposed to be a different room. So I think that's what they're supposed to happen. I think he was supposed to take it down as part of the scene transition. So
1: then how does Pettigrew come out if the poster's gone?
0: I guess he wasn't supposed to come out of the poster. I guess he was just supposed to come out of... I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm gonna ha- I'll I'll add this to my list of questions to ask Starkid yeah. when I hopefully get them on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Wait, that no, that's messing up my brain. Uh,
0: me too. Well, what better way to end this first episode of Potterless than on both of our brains being broken <laughs> about whether or not the poster thing was intentional or if it was supposed to be there, or if it was supposed to come back, or not. So we'll continue the rest of our discussion of a very potter sequel act two next time, but Until then, Anna, thanks so much for joining on for this episode.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me. Can't wait to do the next part.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great. If people want to find you doing stuff on the internet, where can they do so?
1: Oh, I am at Brizzy Voices on everything. B-R-I-Z-Z-Y voices on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, especially. But also, Tessa and I have the podcast Fantastic Geeks and Where to Find Them. Just talking about all things geeky and largely, 25% Harry Potter's mixed in to most every episode. That
0: happens. It yeah. happens.
1: Just, it's very representative of our lives.
0: <laughs> makes sense. Totally makes sense. Well, thank you so much for joining. Listeners, thank you for listening. And until next time, as they say, in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, as they turn to the next page of their Twilight books, Wizard on! <laughs> Yeah. Hey, if you didn't hear me talk about it in the intro, Multitude is doing a digital live show on July 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern. All of your Multitude hosts are gonna be there. There will be some familiar formats. There will be some new and exciting things. All of us are gonna get in the mix. It's gonna be very fun and very silly. And 25% of all sales will be donated to Black Lives Matter charities. Don't worry if you can't watch it live. We will still send you a link so that you can watch the replay of it if that time zone doesn't work for you. And again, you can get tickets and learn more over at Digital Potter List was created by McShubert. It is hosted by McShubert. It is edited by McShubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert sure, as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Cluster, Lopu Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Wanson, Rose Marie Dodge Marie Lisa Sikin, Romina Rivadena, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Nikita Power, Ali Madsen, Amelia Kraus, Sarah Nick, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Pulito, Grower Vivian the Owl, Haley Hastings, Moser, Alex Consulver, John Cotker, Noel Basile, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer, Mark Clue Friday, J Svinson, Summer Rathel, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Addy, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amida Alfred. Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shatter, Marta Morrison, Eileen Gazesh, Keegan Curran, Mr. Folk, Maya Flor Sake, series Girls for Georgia Davis, Skyla Lily, Eddel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskov Chova, Elizabeth Christopherson, Michael David, Yordi, Kelly, Otilio, Kerry, Crumpler, Connie Beankowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Husser, Samantha Lentz, Aurora Fruhoff, Marco Cepeda, Courtney, Marie Grieger, Ashen Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Fail on the Meadows family, Ginny from the Block, McKenna Tweedy, Heather Langeal, Brad Harding, Brianna Kusumano, Kevin Stewart, Laurie McDonald, Chrissy Two, Charles Five, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jen and Rose, Dow, Callahan and Darius Lee, Reed, Melissa Rob, Bella. Barlack, Melanie Demi, Elizabeth Yu, Britt McLean, Becca Spry, Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's Mom, T-Run Money, Madison Kyle, Don't Call Me in Fedora, GK Have it Your Way, Sabrina Balsaker, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie DeGrave, David Douglas, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Yimki Boney Pony, Jacob Rossitano, Kelsey Gillespie, Taco Blowfish, Rike Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Rachel Mobbs, Megan Moon, Alicia Chapman, Riley Kittis, Colleen Waters, Laurel Happy, Rossanne Batamana, Erica Butler, Miranda Hurley, Landon Schwoush, Kendra Hertz, Natani Page, Yogan Chanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Richard Johnson, Sandra Rose, Kremke, Roberts, Andron Kaufman, K.A. Angela Hill, Julia Buzak, Demi Lynn, Kelsey Wellis, Michael Beck, Calista Delano, she who doesn't have to be named, El Kringle, Love Kesh Longer, Jennifer Terzian, Crystal Pollard, Henrique Wolf, Jeremy Elmore, Delkis, Katrina Smith, Jericho Law, Michelle Spurgeon, Casey Canales, Megan Stempin, Let's Hit a Thousand Patrons, Serenity, Allen, Jax G, Sophia Lyons, Sat, Matthew Babbitt, Dane Nempcher, Rochelle Unutmaz, Kirsty, Robin Garcia, Chickpar, Mermaid and Her Daddykins, Aaron Uggs, Not My Daughter, Ubiach, Ilaria Vicentin, Liam Simmons, Lori, Gregory Hughes, Krista Lee, Kawhaw, Mother Feathers, Nina Jasalik, Ribbon Monstrosity, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Butter? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamandes. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash twitter.com slash potterilistpod, instagram.com slash and reddit.com slash r slash For any and all information about the show, as well as transcripts, you can go to potterilistpodcast.com for bonus content. You can go to patreon.com slash Potterless, and for merch, you can go to potterilistpodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether you reach out directly or you leave a rating and review online, those really do help. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, as I say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on!